to start uh, my message this morning by just telling you a little bit about um, this, uh, this gentleman that I, that I read about. Uh, his name is Alan Barnhart, and here's a picture of, of Alan. He is the CEO of um, a company called Barnhart Crane and Rigging, uh, which is a heavy lifting and transport company. And um, he and his brother, when they were given um, this business, the kind of the family business, they ended up growing this business into a $250 million company over 22 years. But here's the interesting thing, that in 2007, after they had grown this company to a certain level, they decided to give away 99% of their company to charity. And so I want to explain exactly a little bit of how that happened. Um, when, when Alan and his, his brother became co-owners of this family business, they decided to create for themselves a, what they called a financial finish line for their lives. So what they wanted to do is they, they set their salaries at a reasonable kind of middle-class salary level. They said, this is what we need to be able to live comfortably as our family. And they decided that if God chose to bless their business, that they would not increase their salaries beyond that level or increase their lifestyle, but they wanted to use that to then invest in God's kingdom. And so they actually decided um, to tell other members of their company about this decision that they made um, in order to kind of lock in their commitment, be held accountable to it. And so their, their goal was to use any excess revenue from the company to give to organizations that were doing God's work in the world. And so the first year after they kind of took over the company, the company grew a bit and they were able to give away $50,000 at the end of that first year, which was actually even more than Alan's salary at the time. And then the next year, they gave away $150,000. And they continued to grow year after year and, and giving away more until in 2005, they were giving away $1 million a month. And so finally, in 2007, they decided to contribute 99% of their ownership interest into an irrevocable charitable trust so that if they die or their company is ever sold, the proceeds will continue to fund ministry. Now, Alan's story, the story of this guy, Alan, right? It seems remarkable to us, right? This is not normal um, because <coughs> this, this kind of giving isn't normal, right? Alan Barnhart, he started off as a regular businessman but he decided not only to give more as his company grew, but actually to try to keep his lifestyle at the same level so that even as the company made more money, he would be able to give even more generously. Um, Alan Barnhart is a powerful example of generous giving. Um, in our text today, we're going to see another example of <coughs> generous giving um, in the life of King David. Um, today is the, the final Sunday in the sermon series that I've been preaching through over the last uh, few months, uh, David, a man after God's own heart. And so over these past few months, we have been looking at the life of David, uh, who is the second king of Israel. And in today's text, we're going to see David at the very end of his life, uh, shortly before he dies. And what he decides to do near the end of his life is to give a large amount of his personal wealth <coughs> to the future construction of the temple that his son Solomon would build. And <clears throat> I'm going to grab my water down here for a second. So I will, uh, excuse me for that. But um, 
he, uh, he decided to, to give, again, this, this large amount from his own personal wealth to the future construction of the temple. And we, we, we read about this earlier that, that, that David was told that he was not going to be the one to actually build the temple, even though he wanted to do that. But God told him that his son Solomon was going to do that. But David said he wanted to invest himself in this project, that he wanted to give to that <coughs> would happen even after um, he died. And what happened that, that we're actually, we're not going to read this in this part of the text, but that as David chose to do that, many of the other leaders in Israel followed his example. They said, hey, if David is giving generously to this, we want to give too to this. And so they also gave generously. And what we're going to look at today is, is David, he prays a prayer um, in response to this choice to give generously. And we're going to look at that prayer today. And so my sermon title today is Generous Giving. Uh, We're going to look at what David's prayer says about (coughs) what leads to generous giving um, and and think a little bit about that today as we we wrap up the series on on King David. So our text today is from uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 20, uh, which is on page 307 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to, to follow along. So 1 Chronicles 29, beginning with verse 9. So this follows right after the account of David uh, choosing to give, again, a great amount of his wealth to the, to the temple, and many others in Israel choosing to do the same. So 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 29, beginning with verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth. Is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give? As generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord 
the God of their fathers. They bowed down and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. Let's pray. Lord, as we reflect on this prayer that David prayed near the end of his life, giving thanks to you for all that you had given to him, we pray that you would fill our hearts today again with thankfulness and gratitude, Lord, for all the blessings you have poured out upon us and and that you would show us, Lord, how that, that thanks can, can lead to generous giving, Lord, giving um, away from ourselves to others. And, uh, and so give us, Lord, uh, insight as, as we look into your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we talk today about this, this whole theme of, of giving generously, um, th- th- this obviously, it, it means that we're talking today about money, Right? Um, Now, giving generously is not only about giving money, right? We can give generously of our time and and, and of our our talents. But again, even in the passage we look at today, it clearly does include money, right? David gives that example as he's giving out of his own wealth. And so I want to just start by acknowledging that talking about money in church can be a little sensitive, right? It can be a little sensitive for for, for some people. Um, and, and, And part of the reason for that is that unfortunately there are preachers, especially some of the ones who are on TV, who sometimes have manipulated people and, and guilt trip people and, and promise financial you know, success and glory if you just give to my ministry, right? And so we have seen preachers abuse the, the teaching around money right, and giving. Um, and so in response, though, I think sometimes... Uh, some churches and pastors have kind of swung the opposite direction and say, I'm not touching that at all, right? Because of the abuses that, that we've seen. Um, but the problem is the Bible actually talks a lot about money. <laughs> the Bible talks a lot about our resources and, and, and how we are to use them. Um, in fact, of, of all of Jesus' parables, and on Wednesdays we've been studying the parables of Jesus, and, and those parables, over half of them reference money. Either Jesus doing some teaching about money and how we should use it, or um, using money as a teaching illustration. And and so why does Jesus spend so much talking about money? Well, in our scripture reading that Chris read from from Luke 12, Jesus says in verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is that, that where you spend your money, where you put your treasure, right, the things that you value, that's where your heart is gonna go. So if you spend a lot of money, on this, that's where your, your, your heart's going to go there. That's, where you're, that's what you're going to care about, right? And so although this can be kind of a, a touchy issue, it's one that we do need to talk about. Um, not to raise more money for our church, but because it's a discipleship issue. It's a question of how we are to walk with the Lord in our own lives. Um, do we allow God to speak into this area of our life, of our giving, or of, of our resources, of our money? Um, and so before we look at, at David's example of generous giving in our text. I want to start by looking actually at, oh, once we, once we get that back up here, um, the, 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 the first point that's actually in your bulletin there, it says, why we don't give generously. Um, so before we look at, at, at how we do give generously, what are some of the reasons why we sometimes don't give generously? Um, because if we're honest, it sometimes is hard to give, right? To give of ourselves, to give of our money. Um, not many people would do what Alan Barnhart did, right? To give away the majority of the profit from his business. Why is that? Uh, why is it sometimes so hard to give generously? Well, I think one reason, it's, it's, a, it's a basic one, is just selfishness. Is <laughs> selfishness. That, that sometimes we are, we're, we're kind of selfish with, with what we have. We want to use our money 
on ourselves. I remember when, when I got my very first job in, in high school that my parents um, strongly encouraged me right off the bat, when, even if I was, I was making very little in that first job, right? But they, they encouraged me to try to set aside 10% of what I made to give to an offering to our church. That's a, the, the concept you see in the Old Testament of tithing, giving 10% um, of, of your income. And, and I, I knew that that was the right thing to do. I knew that I, I shouldn't just kind of have it all for myself. I wanted to be able to give. But, but here's the thing. I didn't want to <laughs> because I was saving up for a Nintendo Game Boy at the time. And, and I wanted that Game Boy so badly. And I knew that every paycheck that I would get on that job was one step closer to getting that Game Boy. And if I gave 10% of that to the church, man, it was going to take longer to get the Game Boy. And so I didn't want to give because I wanted to use that money for myself. It is, it's very easy to be selfish with our money. And one of the primary reasons for this is, that, is when we see our money as ours. That it's my money, right? And so I get to use it however I want to, right? It's my money. I get to do it. I, and so what we often start with is, what do I want to do, right? What do I want for myself? And then if there's extra money left over, okay, then I'll give that away, right? Maybe I'll give that somewhere else. But when we start by thinking that it's my money, it's, it's, it's all mine, I've earned it, um, it's, it's my own, then we often get focused on kind of a selfish perspective on this. Well, another reason that we don't give, so here we go. Why we don't give generously? Here we go, selfishness. Um, another reason that we don't give gen- generously, I think, is fear and worry. That we get worried and anxious about what could happen. Um, so maybe we fear losing our job or we fear the possibility of getting diagnosed with a medical condition that might mean paying expensive bills or, or we worry about having enough money for retirement or, or money to, for our kids to go to college. And believe me, I can identify with a lot of those worries, those, those, those fears, right? And so what we can do, though, sometimes is because of those fears and those worries that we begin to hold tightly to our money instead of giving generously because we're worried about having enough. Um, and this goes back to actually what we talked about last week, last Sunday, where we talked about where do we find our sense of security, right? David, uh, he found his security in, at the, at, in that that passage in his military might, right? And he was trusting in that. And God kind of confronted him with that, right? That, that it's not about your might, David. It's about my might. It's about the, the battle is the Lord's. And so we sometimes, we talked about this last week, sometimes we look at money or resources for our sense of security. If I can have just enough. And so we try to build up more and more security for ourselves and our family but what often happens is then it doesn't leave much that we are willing to then give generously to others. Now, for some of us, it may not be selfishness or fear and worry, but sometimes maybe we feel an obligation to give, right? We feel like, all right, it's really the thing that I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I'm supposed to give. Um, but, but what we do is that we actually don't give generously because we're giving out of guilt and obligation, that actually that can be an obstacle to giving generously is, is that we're feeling this guilt and obligation. Because um, when we're motivated by guilt or obligation, we rarely give generously, right? We, we just give because we feel like we have to. We don't, we don't want to give. So oftentimes we maybe give the bare minimum, right? In order to f- stop feeling guilty, to feel that we've met our obligation. 
Um, and sometimes when we feel guilt or obligation, it actually eventually leads us not to, to give at all. Uh, when I was a senior in college, our, uh, our graduating class gave a, a class gift to our school, and they tried to get as many of us to participate in this class gift as possible uh, to get a high participation rate. So they wanted, like, even if you just give $10, like we just want to get a large participation rate. So I said, all right, that's fine. I can give $10 to that. So I gave $10 to this, this class gift. Then the year after I graduated, I received emails and mailings and phone calls on and on asking me to give again to, to this, you know, the yearly thing. And I said, even if it's just $10, but we want a good participation here. So why don't you give a little bit? And so I gave $10 again that year, but I didn't really want to, right? I felt more guilted into it. I felt like, all right, I, I guess I'm supposed to do this. And so year after year, I continued to get emails and phone calls and mailings. And I realized, you know what? They're probably going to do this for the rest of my life. And so I decided that whenever I saw the area code for my college come up, I was not going to answer that phone call because <laughs> I did not want to deal with the person on the other line trying to convince me to have to give one of these gifts. I didn't want to feel forced to give, right? I didn't want to feel obligated. And so I stopped giving completely, right? Because I felt, I felt like I was being forced into it, obligated to do it. So these are some of the obstacles, I think, that sometimes prevent us from giving generously. Either it's, it's our own selfishness or it's our fear and our worry about our own security, or sometimes it's, it's feeling like we're giving out of guilt or giving out of obligation. So when we turn to our text today, we see a very different perspective from King David. Um, because David, as we see at the very beginning of the passage, he says that he is giving generously and freely, right? He's giving wholeheartedly. He's not giving out of guilt. He's not giving out of obligation. He's giving because he wants to give. And so what I want to look at um, next is what leads to generous giving? What is it that actually leads and motivates us to give, not out of obligation, and be able to uh, overcome some of those obstacles? Well, in David's prayer, we see the first thing that leads to generous giving, which is to realize that everything we have is God's and not ours. That everything we have is God's and not ours. In verse 11, David says, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Does that leave any room for anything that's not God's? No, right? Everything in heaven and earth is yours. It's all yours, God. And in verse 12, he says, wealth and honor come from you. Right? Any wealth that I might have, it ultimately comes from God, right? It comes from him. And he gets even more emphatic in verse 14 when he says, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And so even the things that we're giving you, it's only stuff that you've already given to us, right? It's already yours, God. You see, David saw his wealth as ultimately belonging to God, not belonging to himself. And so it made sense for him to give that wealth to building a temple for the Lord because it was already the Lord's to begin with, right? God is the creator of everything. And so everything that we have is ultimately from his. Think about this. The talents that you have that allow you to do the job that you do to earn the money that you make, where do those talents come from? From the Lord, right? It came from God. Your time is a gift from the Lord. Your life, right? Every moment of every day, it's ultimately a gift from God. So the way that you use your time, it is, it is a gift that God has given to you. 
The money that you make comes as a result of what God has given you, right? Your skills, your job, your abilities. And so when we begin to realize that everything we have is ultimately from the Lord, then guess what? It begins to counteract that selfishness in us, right? Because where does that selfishness come from? It comes from the feeling of, it's mine, right? I've earned it. I get to do with it whatever I want to. But when we realize that it's not actually mine anyways, it's, it's, it's really the Lord's, it's, it's God's. He's given it to me through these, these various ways. Then we begin to say, God, it's already yours. How do you want me to use this, right? How do you want me to use the things that you have given to me? Because um, ultimately it is, it is yours. It allows us then to begin to hold more loosely to the things that we have, and, and which then leads to greater generosity. Now, the second thing, that leads to generous giving is when we experience God's provision for our needs. When we begin to experience God's provision for our needs, then it can free us up. That's the thing that begins to counteract that second obstacle, which is fear and worry, right? When we start to get wrapped up in fear and worry, it prevents us from giving. When we experience God's provision for our needs, it overcomes that. Um, When we step out in faith to actually give and experience God's provision, it frees us to then give more generously rather than being trapped by fear and worry. Um, the, the year after I graduated from seminary, uh, when I was you know, preparing to become a pastor, uh, the, my first job after seminary, I was working as a part-time associate pastor of a church in Queens, New York City. And, and I also worked at part-time at a, as a tutor at a community center. I had, I had two different jobs there at my first call. And, and as I stepped into that role, again, kind of something that my parents had taught me, I said, I want to be able to give at least 10% of what I'm, what I'm making back to the church where I'm serving. And it was actually something that, that we as a church staff decided that together we were going to make that commitment, that we wanted to, to invest in the church that we were serving in that way. Um, but there were times during that first year of ministry when I was tempted not to do that because I was paying back student loans and I was paying rent in New York City. And I was not making a lot as a pastor and tutor at a community center. But I decided that, that I said, you know what, that 10%, it's not mine. It's God's. It's already his, right? So I just set it aside. It's, it's not, I'm not giving a look at it. It's already God's. I'm giving it to, to him. And here's the thing. As I began to, to give, I asked God, Lord, meet my needs. And over that year, I saw God do that time and time again. When I was started worrying about paying my bills... I got a raise at my tutoring job, kind of just right at the right moment. Um, when, I was, when I had some, all of a sudden some unexpected expenses, like having repairs in the car or whatever, God opened up a couple of speaking opportunities for me, which began to cover those expenses. And so each time that I experienced God's provision, right, the ways that God provided in those moments as I came to him, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do this week, right, but I'm asking for you to provide. And as I saw him experience his provision, it grew my faith. And it grew my heart of generosity to say, you know what? I can give and trust that God will meet my needs. I can trust that he will. In our scripture reading uh, from from Luke 12 that that, uh, Chris read earlier, Jesus tells his disciples what? Not to worry. Not to worry about what they will eat or worry about what they will wear. And he gives the examples of how God provides food for ravens And he provides clothes for the lilies of the field. And he says to his disciples, um, how much more valuable you are than birds, right? And how much more will he clothe you, 
than those lilies of the field. God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for your needs. You don't need to be trapped in worry and anxiety. Um, a friend of mine was, was teaching her elementary age daughter about the lack of clean water in Africa. And, and she was sharing about a project that their church was doing to pay for some new wells to be dug in areas that didn't have clean water. And we have, you know, Jonah, Eddie and Jonah are involved in a ministry that, that's doing that right, as well, right? Water is life. But this friend who was, who was telling her daughter about this ministry of what they were doing, as she shared about this, her daughter went into her room and she brought back to her mom her piggy bank. And she placed it in front of her mom. And she said, Mommy, I want to give the money in my piggy bank to build a well in Africa. And her mom just looked at her daughter with this kind of love and compassion and, and said, that is so thoughtful of you, sweetheart. But you've been saving your money for a new toy. Are you sure you want to give all of your money in the piggy bank for this? And the daughter replied, yes, mommy, because you and daddy can just give me more money to buy my toy. <laughs> And this friend, what she did is she reflected on the fact that, you know what? That actually should be our perspective when it comes to God. That, that, that the, how her daughter saw uh, her relationship to her parents, right? If God is our father who owns everything, right, and cares about us, then won't he provide what we need, especially if we're using his money to give to things that reflect his heart and his purpose, and if we give generously, won't he provide what we need? Um, in Luke 2, 12, uh, 31, Jesus says, but seek his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Where's our priority? Do we first start by seeking our kingdom and then seeing if there's anything left over for God's kingdom? Or do we start by seeking his kingdom? And saying, God, you will provide, right? You'll take care of all those other things as well. Now, I want to acknowledge that, that this doesn't mean, like, when we give generously, it, it, it doesn't mean that it might not sometimes involve sacrifice. That when we give generously, sometimes there is sacrifice involved in doing that. And, and giving from what we, what we have may mean that sometimes we're, we're willing to let go of some luxuries. We're willing to let go of, of certain things. And we may be stretched to have to trust God to provide what we need in some situations. But here's the thing. It is worth it. It's worth it even when we sacrifice because of this third thing that leads to generous giving, which is when we witness God's blessings that come through giving. When we witness the blessings that God brings through giving, and we're not talking just about blessings to myself, right? But blessings that he uses, those gifts. Um, you see, this is how David saw his, his giving. He saw it as a privilege, he said, to be able to give what God had entrusted to him. In verse 14, he says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And he says, it is a privilege. It is a gift to be able to give generously. Like, you have given me so much, and it is such a gift to be able to give that back to you, God, right? He counted it as a blessing to have wealth, not so he could spend it all on himself, but so that he could give generously back to the Lord. And when we witness how blessing comes through giving, we will want to give rather than being motivated by guilt and obligation, right? When we see what God can do, right, 
then it's not about, oh, I'm, I really have to give, but actually you say, I want to see God use this, right? I want to see God do an amazing thing with this. So, so I want to give because I want to be a part of God's blessing. Uh, that guy that, we, that I talked about at the beginning of my sermon, Alan Barnhart, he has witnessed the blessings that come through giving. Um, he says, this is a, a quote that, uh, that, that he said, he says, it's been an amazing adventure to be a small part of what God is doing in dozens of different countries around the world. Helping them with funding and tools and training is such a great joy. See, Alan gets this joy from seeing how his generous giving is impacting people all around the world. And when he was asked uh, the question of how his decision of, of choosing to kind of limit himself, right, personally, that financial finish line, how that has impacted his kids, right? Have your kids gotten upset with you because they're not getting all the stuff that other kids do? This is what he says in response. He says, it has been a blessing that they have not grown up as rich kids. <laughs> he says, they have the privilege of sitting around our dinner table with people from dozens of countries, right? people that have come and they've gotten the richness of getting to hear from these people that have come, hearing how great God is and what he's doing all over the world. He says, I think that is so much better than video games, trips to Disney World, or things that they haven't been able to do. He has seen blessing come into the lives of his kids through seeing them be a part of blessing people beyond themselves. And he goes on to talk about how, you know, some of the things that they have still been able to do as a family, right? They, it's not like they're living at the poverty level, right? He says that they've been able to live a good life by U.S. standards and actually a wealthy life by global standards. But the sacrifices that they've made to give generously, they have brought blessings much more significant than the fleeting pleasures of spending money on themselves. That's, that's been his testimony. You know, when we give, it blesses others and we get to experience the joy of seeing God use our gift to impact people. Um, another um, American businessman, philanthropist, uh, Stanley Tam says this. He says, suppose a, har a farmer had 100 bushels of corn in the barn and he decides to plant 10 bushels in the ground. What multiplies? Is it the 90 bushels that he's left in the barn? No. We all know that it's the 10 bushels you put in the ground that multiplies, right? And so he says, similarly, it is the 10% that you give to God that multiplies, right? The place where you invest, right? That is where God is going to multiply and use it to bless others. The final thing that I want to talk about that leads to generous giving is when we receive God's generous grace to us. And this is really the heart, right? This is really what motivates generous giving is when we recognize how generous God has been to us. When we receive his generous grace to us. And you know what, David, man, he, he experienced this throughout his life, right? He experienced God's generous grace to him. We, we saw this at the very beginning of our series when God first called David. Where, where was he at the beginning of his life? He was a humble shepherd boy, right? Out in the fields, a nobody. And what did God choose him to become the next king of Israel? Did David deserve that? Had he done anything to earn it? No, it was God's grace to him that he chose David to become the next king of Israel. That is grace. 
Grace, by definition, is being given something freely that you don't deserve, that you haven't earned. And that's what David, where, where David was. He'd been given that freely. And then we saw another one of the passages we looked at, that God promises to establish an eternal dynasty for David, right? That, that, that there would be a kingdom that would never end. And we see the way that that was fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. Another act of pure grace, right? Nothing that David did to deserve that. And then we saw that low point in David's life, right? Where he sinned with, by, by sleeping with Bathsheba and then by having her husband Uriah murdered. And what did God do when David confessed his sin? God forgave him. And, and, he, and he said that he wouldn't die for his sin. Another act of God's grace, right, on David's life. And so David, as he's at the end of his life and he reflects on all that has come before him, where, where does David's mind go to? It doesn't go to how great he is and how much he's accomplished for God. It goes to how gracious God has been to him, how much he's received God's grace. And that leads him then to thank and praise God in this prayer. And one expression of that thanks and praise to God is then David giving generously, giving generously to the temple of the Lord, even though he wasn't going to be the one to even see it built in his lifetime. But he gives because he's been so blessed by the Lord. When we've received God's grace and we recognize how generous God has been to us, it will also lead us to thank and praise him. And one aspect of that praise is to then give generously to the Lord's work as well as a response to God's grace to us. Now think about this. For David and those who lived before Jesus, they, when they experienced God's grace, right, they experienced that, but they didn't know the fullness of God's grace to them at that point, right? For us, we know how far God went to give his grace to us, that God himself, God the Father, sent his son, his only son, to pay for our sin on the cross so that we can be forgiven, even forgiven for times when we don't give generously. That is grace, right? That is grace. Jesus gave everything to save us. He gave his own life in our place. That is generosity. And so if David had reason to thank and praise God by giving generously, guess what? How much more of a reason do we have those of us who know Jesus, who know Jesus Christ and how much Jesus has given to us. We don't give out of guilt or obligation, but we do it out of sheer gratitude for how gracious God has been to us. So I want to close just by, by looking at, at, at one last verse in that, that other scripture reading that we saw in 2 Corinthians 9, where the Apostle Paul encourages the believers in Corinth to give generously in that other passage that Chris read. And he, and he tells them, you know, give generously because God's going to provide for you. And he says, it's also a way that you can bless others. But he also says this in verse 12 of that chapter. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. This week we celebrate Thanksgiving. Right? Thanksgiving. And we have so much to be thankful for. God has been so gracious and so generous to us. He has blessed us in so many ways. 
And so this week, let us give thanks and praise to our God for all that he's done for us. And as we do, as we, as we sit down at the table and enjoy another part of his, his expression of his goodness, of some good food with friends and family, let us also think about how we can give generously to God's kingdom, especially as we enter into these last weeks of this year, of 2022. And so maybe just a thing to reflect on is, is, is who is God calling you to bless through some generous giving in these next weeks? Is there someone that God is placing on your heart to give generously to? Maybe someone who's, who's in need. Maybe God wants to use you to be part of his provision for someone else, right? He uses us as the, as the body of Christ often to do that. What ministries is God laying on your heart to give to? What, what, what ways can you give, sow those seeds to, for greater impact of God's kingdom? And as we enter into the season of Advent and Christmas where there is, there's a lot of focus on giving, right? Of giving gifts. Um, let's think about how we can give generously, not just to our own families, right? Although that's a great way to, we want to give generously to each other too as an expression, but how we could also look beyond ourselves to give to God's work here in Pasadena, and in our nation, and around the world. So let's pray together as we close. God, you have given so much to us. You are such a giving and gracious God. And we pray that this week, as we sit around the table and give thanks to you for all the blessings you've given to us, Lord, that you would, again, remind us that everything we have is ultimately yours, is ultimately a gift from you. Even the ability to earn the things that we have earned, Lord, is because of things that you have given to us, Lord. And so help us to be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving and that you would change our hearts, Lord, to to go beyond selfishness and beyond fear and worry and beyond obligation to give generously and cheerfully and joyfully and to realize that when we do, God, we get to see you use those gifts to multiply them to bless people all around us. And so receive that, 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 that giving that you lead us to do, Lord, and use it and bless people through it, Lord. It is a privilege, God, that we get to give back to you. And we recognize that even the things we give are ultimately from your hand. And so fill us with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.